everyone. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Erica Kramer, Senior Living Engagement Advisor at Martin Brothers. We're glad to be spending time with you again today because we all know the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. Yes. Well, if anyone has noticed, we're really focusing on helping managers with all of the staffing issues that's been going on. So last episode, we discussed a team's role in setting up systems. This episode, we're focusing more on the actual manager's role and what can be done in regard to systems and operations as it pertains to staffing shortages. To join me to share his experience, wisdom, and solutions is our own Chef Steve Tizzy. Steve, you've been with Martin Brothers for 10 years. Tell us what other experience you've gained throughout your career. Prior to being with Martin Brothers, uh, you know, working in the kitchens as a chef, you know, I come primarily from hotel and casino backgrounds, um, you know, so you're working with a diverse group of people, um, you know, that uh, can be from one end of the spectrum to the other. Uh, So I really had to learn how to talk, how to communicate, how to realize how do I get the best out of an individual without really upsetting them or throwing them off. So, you know, it's all about communication. It's how I've treated people. That was one thing I learned early on, treating someone like an adult. You know, that kind of, that respect goes both ways. But they understand that I was the manager. They understand my expectations. So it worked out well that way. You spend your time cooking, going through culinary school, and I wanted to be that executive chef. I get to be that executive chef and then I don't cook as much. I'm managing so much more uh, with menu development and, and managing the staff. You know, you feel like I say, from the dishwashers to the cooks, uh, you know, you got a wide variety of people there working for you. All right, before we get into a serious discussion, I'm going to be asking an icebreaker so we all get to know the real Steve a little better. I've kind of mixed it up because if we have a chef, you're thinking I'm going to ask about food, but I'm not. Chef uh, Chef Tizzy loves music. So, Steve, what is your favorite concert you've ever been to? Oh, boy, that's a tough one. I'll tell you what, I probably have to pick two. Um, Okay, so I would have to say, uh, if anybody is aware of who the Foo Fighters are, uh, that rock group with Dave Grohl, um, I've seen them several times, but one of their outside concerts in Ohio was was amazing, but also at Wrigley Field. They were in Wrigley Field um, for an outside show. That was great. And I would say probably the next best along with that, but a whole different crazy evening, though, was Billy Joel. So I've seen Billy Joel three different times, whether he was with Elton John on a face-to-face tour or by himself. So I saw Billy Joel on a Thursday night at Wrigley Field in Chicago. And on Saturday night, I saw Foo Fighters. You talk about crazy, two different types of groups of people. You got to love it, though. You know, Erica, you asked that question. And I, you know, for once, I did not know what the icebreaker question was going to be. So you caught me by surprise. But I just want to say quickly, though, you bring up music. And we're here talking about food. And I tell people this all the time. You know, there's two things in our life that are a part of our life every day. We eat and we listen to music. Those are two things that take us kind of away from that reality, whether it's three minutes or whether it's a half hour while we're eating. So I I like to say, you know, I love food, very passionate about food, but also music is a big part of my life. Because, again, it just takes us away from the reality of this immediate 
time and we remember. Maybe it's something we remember about grandma or grandpa or something growing up, uh, high school times or something like that. So I like that question. That was good. This might surprise everyone, but for me, my favorite concert was Duran Duran. The 80s are coming back, aren't they? It was live in Kansas City. It was an outdoor it was obviously live, but it was an outdoor concert. So it was really cool. It was July, though, so it was pretty hot. But they were fabulous for being, oh, probably close to 60, if not over. They did great. They weren't trying to be someone they weren't, and they sounded really, really good. So I loved that. All right, so staffing issues. Who are you hearing about these challenges from? I know at Martin Brothers, we've got senior living customers. We have restaurant customers, schools, universities, um, just a lot of different types of businesses. Are you hearing it from just one or, or more than just one? Oh, goodness, Eric. It is not just senior living. It's restaurants, um, you know, whether it's school business, uh, whether it's college, university. We know, you know, the struggle is out there, whether we want to call it the great uh, resignation that's going on. I've actually just just recently heard the term and reading about they call it the great reshuffle so people are reprioritizing what is important in their life and they say maybe I still have to work but I don't have to work this job I can do something a little bit different so maybe we look at it as the great reshuffle along with the word great resignation so it's it's in restaurants it's in healthcare communities and schools all the like now, do you feel like our customers are doing everything they can? I mean, I remember before COVID, I would ask about recruiting if I was at a large group event and I would say, hey, raise your hand if you're still using the newspaper as a way to recruit. And I would still see hands raised. So please tell me you're seeing more than that. We are. We're seeing more. Um, you talk about newspaper ads. I used to actually advertise my job openings on TV. At one time there in the mid to late late 90s, uh, Seinfeld was on or Seinfeld reruns. But I learned, you know, when you look at viewership between that 630 and 7, so many people watch that show. That's when I chose to advertise when I was looking for help or something like that. You know, now you have a situation going on, whether it's professional recruiters, uh, people are turning to them, businesses are turning to professional recruiters. Um, that has proven not so easy, but it's a definite help out there to maybe bring people in. Uh, recently, I've talked to a couple uh, people, whether it's been healthcare communities, senior living, or even restaurants, they're talking more and more to each other, asking if they've even got any applications or resumes they would be willing to share. If maybe they're not working out for this place, could I have that and they might work out for me? Yes, they're networking for employees. Instead of necessarily stealing employees, like I say, build your team, now they're saying, hey, do you have anybody available that can come help and work for me? And maybe it's even part-time. Do you have any suggestions for what else, like what other rocks could be turned? You know, I tell you, I'm hearing more and more, and, and I, I use this word, I guess, maybe with whether we call it the great resignation, great reshuffle, uh, parents maybe deciding they can stay home a little bit more, or their children are uh, maybe doing the co-op homeschooling uh, type situation, hybrid, I guess you may call it nowadays. Um, I'm seeing more parents 
uh, wanting to get jobs with healthcare communities, and maybe it was at a time when they were locked out. Now they can be in there and see their parents or grandparents a little bit more, keep an eye on them and visit with them. So, you know, it works great for maybe that nine to two o'clock time frame. In the food service segment, it kind of helps get through breakfast, get lunch prep going, and even prep into the supper time. So I think it's good to reach out to maybe some of those parents that don't want full-time jobs, but they're willing to come in and put a few hours in. How does flexibility help with these challenges? So as a manager, how can that be helpful? I, you know, sometimes here in senior living, we've got a 6 to 2, 2 10, 10 to 6 shift. So what else helps? got the best of both worlds because they can still work and have some income and get out of the house, but be home when their children are home. So that's proven to be a really good way to look for employees or retain some employees. Uh, you know, school co-op that's really popular. Um, I like to talk about the high school co-op for evening times for students. But I also look at colleges, you know, community colleges that may have a culinary curriculum um, that maybe, you know, everybody goes to a culinary curriculum thinking, I want to be a chef. I'm going to be a chef in this restaurant. Then they're starting to think, ah, the crazy hours, the nights, the holidays, the weekends, maybe I don't have to have all of that craziness. I can get into senior living that's a little bit more stable, a little bit more calm, and still have a life. So I tell people all the time at community colleges, never discredit the healthcare industry to get in for food service. A big topic we've been discussing is a whole mindset change. How necessary is that for getting through these times and for actually adapting for the future? Yes, I'm talking to a lot of them where it's almost like a role reversal, whereas we as managers in the past, we put together a schedule and it was posted a week or a week and a half in advance. That was your schedule to follow. Now it seems, and and I'll tell you, Eric, I even learned this even from my children that are 18 and 24 and out into the work industry and, you know, my son that works in a restaurant as well, he says the manager comes to him and says, okay, when can you work? What hours do you have available? Because they realize they've had to be flexible with maybe, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, that they have a lot of things going on outside the school or the home. So they're saying, you tell me when you can work, I'll put you on the schedule. I don't think we have to go that extreme by any means, but I'm hearing that happen out there more and more. Any other efficiencies that can be done um, or changes that can be made in other segments, such as restaurants and schools, et cetera? Yes. You know, I've had to think about this myself, Erica, really, and, and re kind of reprogram my mindset because I always looked at, you know, in the past, you know, in the 90s, the 2000s, or even before, the average for a chef to stay at a restaurant or a business was about three, three and a half years. Um, you now you're seeing them. Oh, you're right. You're right. But it was interesting there. But when I was in culinary school, you know, the chef instructors would say, go here a year, work here a year, work here a year, you know, to get that experience and learn different ways, different people. My feeling was always if you weren't going to stay a year, it was hard for me to hire you because it costs me so much money to train and invest. Now you're starting to look at people that might have six months, um, almost maybe Eric, I equated to like a traveling nurse in a way. Maybe they're going to be on a 90-day or a six-month contract, and they're going to come work for that long. At least you know you've got a certain amount of time from them, and then you create that environment for them not to want to leave. 
That's what I'm starting to see more of is we have to now create that environment for somebody to get in there on a 30, 60, 90 day or maybe a six month basis saying, yeah, I'll give you this. Now I made it to the point you don't want to leave. Steve, I feel like Martin Brothers has a lot of resources that may be overlooked that can really help with these problems. Is there any other ones that you can think of? It has become, you know, an employee's, you know, kind of they, they write their paycheck, they write their demands, but it's not always necessarily about the money either. When we talk about that and we talk about investing in that employee, you know, we have to think whether it's, uh, you know, on a social level, you know, a financial level, uh, you know, how do we talk to them? How do we treat them? Because we're also finding out that, you know, different generations, Erica, you and I have talked about this for a couple of years now, learning different generations and how they react and how they, you know, accept changes. So we have to think about, you know, investing is not just financial. It's also emotionally, you know, giving them that security that they do have a job tomorrow or a week from now that they are doing a good job. Sure, we have to correct them, you know, in different times, but we have to give them that security as well. They don't feel they have security anymore. So one thing we're seeing in successful organizations are managers with great problem-solving skills who think outside the box. You know, if that isn't natural for you, how can you start to solve problems instead of just giving up? You know, I look at senior living very similar in this respect to how I look at restaurants or how, you know, we, we talk about the menus are altering. So we're doing smaller menus, less menus. We look at inventory. We're looking at prep work, the simplicity of cooking products. So I look at, you know, how often are we changing menus or how much, you know, maybe we're having just our feature of the day and then there's an always available menu. Maybe we don't have the feature plus an alternative plus an always available menu. So we can focus on less menu items and do them perfect. Uh, There's another area that's really been being talked about a lot. And I just had this conversation this morning with a group of people was, you know, that mindset of open dining. We've talked about open dining for a few years now and changing our dining hours. And when I say open dining, we look at, you know, breakfast was maybe always at 6 to 7.30 and lunch was always maybe 11.30 to 1 and supper or dinner was maybe 4.45 to 6.15. Now we have to alter those times and say, you know, maybe we don't have three or four servers to be able to take care of 15 tables. We only have two servers now. So if we change that dining and add a half hour earlier and a half hour later, and and we have to sell this to our residents. That's one thing I talk to people about is it's really to the servers, the CNAs, the staff. Uh, I even like to say the uh, director of nursing to talk to the residents and say, you know what, now you have options. When do you want to come eat? But managers have to work through that but not be walked all over. And that seems yes. to be a, a fine line, you know, manager oh, they're and on a friend. schedule. They're, How yes. do you work through that? But you're right. And I'll tell you, do they want to sleep in a little bit? Do they not? But also this opens up to the staff being able to do some room checks a little bit more. Oh, hey, I've not seen Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so come down yet. Maybe I better go check on them as well. So it opens the door to different uh, scenarios to be able to check on the residents. But again, if we have two servers instead of three or three servers instead of four, or maybe one cook instead of two, you know, if we serve three or four tables at a time versus all 10 or 15 tables coming down at once, that takes that stress level 
off the servers. It takes the stress off the cooks, so it lightens their mood a little bit. It reassures them they're going to have a good day. What else can be considered? You know, when it comes down to you know efficiencies in that, I firmly believe this, and we talk about this more and more, um, to be efficient, you look at your inventory. You know, we talk about online ordering. You know, we talk about now, you know, we're in a, a generation or a time of electronics, portable electronics. We have apps now, a Martin Brothers app that they can order right from their phone. So as they're walking through doing inventory, they can put an order in right then and there for those items. I find that's very helpful to a lot of people so they don't over order or under order. Um, and they can do their inventory plus ordering all in one. So I see that. And I would say, you know, if there's something that anybody takes away from today for efficiency and staff turnover and treating the staff right is understanding the expectations, training, is humongous. We talk about um, investing in our staff. And I like to say, train the staff so they know the manager's expectations. Because when they don't know your expectations, that's when they get frustrated when you try and tell them something different or how to do something. And they say, I never knew. That's when sometimes they get frustrated, upset. They leave, they quit. They certainly don't put it two weeks in anymore sometimes. They, They leave and never come back or never call. Um, so I like to say, you know, training is vital to be very efficient. We talk about prep lists, you know, writing our production lists, things like that, that we have to go over, um, GL coding, Eric, I know that's something you've really helped work hard to put together how we build things or GL coding, general ledger coding. So that's going to save some time at the end of the month with accounting, you know, to go back through all of that with our invoices. When you are managing, what do you think was the number one reason you kept employees, even though they could work down the street for more? That's a great question. I'll tell you what, Erica, that is what I would say is like a million-dollar question. But I have some ideas for that, and I've really had to think about this long and hard in the way we look at things. And, you know, it really starts with us managers in terms of how we look and we train. You know, when we hire managers, and I'll tell you, I've been through my fair share of sous chefs and and banquet chefs and 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 um, hiring and discipline or firing. And I really had to think, you know, people are all about a kitchen manager, a dietary manager coming in and cooking. And when I interview people, I always believe there's a certain set of skills they should know if they're at that position level in terms of basic techniques of cooking, following our recipes, guidelines, things like that. What I start to look for now is you're right, whether it's problem solving, whether it's communication skills, whether it's their appearance and how they look, because we as managers set the tone for the staff. Um, And again, I think, Eric, it's also understanding the different generations. We talk about problem solving and thinking outside the box. You know, I was always one in the kitchen where it was fast paced, it was noisy, things going on. And then when you put that extra level of music in the kitchen on a speaker that, you know, maybe somebody wants country music, somebody wants rock and roll, somebody wants jazz, they're all going to fight over what music we listen to. You know, I found this has worked well with some of these younger generations or younger people. You know, let them put that that headphones in, like that, that AirPod. Maybe one ear is let them put an AirPod in, let them listen to their music or a podcast or whatever they choose to listen to. One ear is going to be free so they can hear management talking or hear what's going on in the kitchen. So we have to think we can't just be like we were 10 or 15 years ago. We have to think how do these new 
generation of workers work? How do they accept responsibility? I like to call them the speechless generation. Maybe we don't talk to them a lot, but Erica, we just talked about production sheets to be efficient. Maybe we just put a whole prep sheet down or a production sheet in writing, show them what it is. Here it is. Have at it. You're right. Again, it's technology, but it's but again, it's 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 giving the best of both worlds, letting them be in a good mood, listen to a little bit of music while they're working. You know, obviously, you have to set your guidelines when service is going on. No headphones, no music, but you have to think of things like that. We kind of discussed a little bit about communication and generations, but managers have to be chameleons now with communicating with their different employees. Would you agree? Right. And that's what I say, Erica, is we we have to. And I think some of the younger people should always watch the older people. We learn every day of our lives. And I always say this, you know, we have to train, we train, we retrain, and then we mentor and we keep training and mentoring. And that's something I think a lot of us forget because we get so busy physically and mentally. We have so many things we're juggling on our mind. We just have to take that step back. Erica, this is something I'm really proud of to be able to actually say because another chef actually came in and talked to me one time and said, how do you do this? And, you know, when I look at, and I'll just give you a hotel in Peoria where I worked at for three and a half years as executive chef. And I had, you know, two restaurants, fine dining, casual cafe, plus catering, which was a whole nother floor. I had three floors of kitchens, you know, two restaurants and catering. So when I had about 55 to 60 cooks at one time throughout the building and then the dishwashers and the sous chefs and banquet chefs, I learned early on in life, it was how you treat people. You know, we can come in like a tyrant or like an arrogant chef and talk down to people, treat them terrible, not train them, but expect they should understand our expectations without really showing or letting them know what our expectations are. But I firmly believed in, I would come in every morning and I would make my rounds. First of all was, hey, how are you doing? Good morning. You know, you got to come in and I know it's not every day, so I'm not going to sit here and, and paint and it's all rainbows. But as much as I could, I would go in and say good morning to everybody. Um, how are they doing? And at the end of the day, when I left her tonight, it was, hey, good night. Thank you very much. It was a great day. Now, does everybody have a good day? No, but I would tell them, say, you know what? Today wasn't your best day, but tomorrow's a new day. You don't hold grudges. Tomorrow starts a new day. And I'll tell you what, you just respect them like an adult. You treat them like someone instead of a number. And I did. I'll tell you, I found out I couldn't pay the best for an hourly rate. You know, they could go down the street and make 50 cents more an hour, but they knew they could come to work with me and be treated like someone with respect. I'll tell you what, it really, really does. And that was where I could get probably anything out of anybody. And Eric, I tell you, I had people from the Work Release Center. They were probably some of the most fun, best employees I could. I like to say I could work with them, but they worked for me. You know, but I had people of all different age groups, all different uh, backgrounds, all different things going on. But you know what? They just want to be talked to. And they're happy people. And I think we have to carry that into today more than ever. To know, so the employees know where they fit in. Well, we haven't gotten too negative this month, but we definitely want to end on a positive note. Have you heard of things getting better? Do people seem more optimistic? Do I think in time? Absolutely. I believe things will get better. 
I believe we have gone through the past, you know, couple years, and I say this whether we talk senior living, whether we talk restaurants, the past few years, things were running pretty smooth, pretty simple. Managers had it pretty simple. You know, everybody was there to work. They did their job. People went home. Things were good. And then when COVID hit, we had to start working in a different way. And people got mentally exhausted, physically exhausted. What I'm starting to see more of is applications are coming in more and more. Uh, people are starting to you know, say, okay, I'm done at home. I want to get out of the house now. I'm feeling safer. Maybe I should say that. Maybe there's a sense of safety that people are like, okay, it's safe to go back out and work. I, I believe, you know, and Erica, you and I have talked about this, so I certainly don't want to sit here and take the credit for all this. I think though the third quarter you know, of this year. And I've been reading more and more articles. And I like to say, you know, I like to focus on the Midwest where we really are located. But yet when you look nationally from East Coast to West Coast, North to South, we'll start to see a pickup with employees. And I do believe, though, it's going to give us that opportunity to really look at the employees that want to be there. They're there because they want to be there. They're not necessarily there just because they have to have a job. And I think that's going to make our lives easier, better. You know, we're going to work, we're working much smarter, not harder. So I do believe that's going to continue on uh, when it gets to that. So absolutely. Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Absolutely. I I firmly believe that people are starting to lighten up a little bit more. Yes, I am. I'll tell you, I'm smiling. I'm seeing it out there. You know, I'm starting to get back out in person and visit with our customers and I see more and more smiles than I ever have before, you know, in the past couple of years. So to me, when people are smiling, that tells me a lot. Thank you for joining me today, Steve. I know there's plenty of other things you could have been doing besides hanging out in a sound booth with me. Yeah, thanks for letting me come in here. This is different for me. It's been fun. You know, like I say, I always like to kind of, you know, sign off, keep your heads held high, keep that smile. It definitely it's going to get better. Um We'll get there in time. So stay positive. And thank you to everyone listening for your time as well. We look forward to having you join us again because we all know the time you invest in self-development not only increases the trajectory of your success, but the success of those you lead as well. Have a great day. (music) 